Oh, we're on. Sorry, I just had to. We take off my Tampa oh. Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Here we now. go. Hey, welcome to the Talking Shop Podcast. I'm in an extra good mood today because of some news yesterday. Uh, I am Josh. I am here with Michael at Medium Rare Cards. Um, welcome to another episode. We've got a good one for you today. Um, for our intro, I'm going to give you a rundown today of what's going to be in the episode. Uh, we will start with the opening rip, where we are going to talk about some of that news that I was foreshadowing there. Um, we will talk next about what's new in the shop this week. Um, we're going to have an inside look at some information from and about the shop. Uh, we'll pull out a card or two from the vault and drool over s some of those. Um, then we've got uh, our hobby advice and listener questions. And that segment is going to focus on grading cards. So stay tuned for that. Then we'll get into some products that are on the horizon that'll be coming to the shop very shortly. And then we will wrap up with the crazy stat of the week. We each have one for you this week. And, and then we're going to end with a what if scenario in the world of the NFL, <laughs> it'll be, it'll be, um, we're going to talk about one single play in an NFL game that literally probably changed the course of NFL history forever. So Michael, welcome. How are you, man? I'm good. Oh, did you survive a uh, snowmageddon? From the weekend or, <laughs> or the wind, the wind tunnel that was the south. Yeah. I mean, it was a little, uh, let's put the motorcycle up for a few days and uh, we got teased a little bit with our weather, but. It was crazy. My, my brother uh, and his wife and uh, they have another partner in Charleston. They own a flight school in Charleston. And uh, I was in Charleston visiting my parents and he, um, he told me he had one of his planes flip over on another plane. Oh, that sounds expensive. It, it does sound expensive. It probably <laughs> is expensive. And um, I just, that's just not something I've ever heard of happening. That just gives you a little bit of an indication of how, uh, how strong the winds were. <laughs> so anyway, enough about weather, winds, and planes. The opening rip. I suggested that we talk about Deshaun Watson and then Josh parachutes in with his Tom Brady news. So Tom Brady did what Josh? The goat decided that he had some unfinished business in the world of the NFL. So uh, I am surprised. I, it's twofold. He retired in such a way that it was just like, this just doesn't seem like the way that the greatest quarterback of all time should retire, like announcing it on Instagram. You know, I, you'd think for him, farewell tour, you know, big press conference. That's what I was expecting. So when he retired the way he did, it was kind of weird. And then um, I really think he, he, he planned on staying retired, though. I, I really do. I, I had hopes that he would maybe pull something out for San Francisco, you know, boyhood dream fulfilled, always wanting to play 
uh, in San Francisco. So I'm not only shocked that he came back, I'm shocked that it's with the Bucks. I figured there was maybe some deeper plan involved to get somewhere else. But uh, I know some of us buyers and collectors and sellers were thinking, the first thing I thought of was, I'm so glad I didn't sell my Brady collection then because um, there's a, there's a couple ways you can look at that. And we'll talk about the card aspect of it here in a minute, but yeah, I was beyond excited last night during dinner when one of my customers, old Sam texted me first. I had not, I had not heard the news. So I'm so, excited. That means probably Gronk's coming back too. Yeah. So the question I have is how many times does he get to do this? I mean, many as he wants. As many as so I don't know, man. I, you know, uh, Brett Favre did the hokey pokey a little bit and uh, you know, you get some other athletes that say they want to hang it up and then they come back. It can't be about money for Brady. I, I, I think it's got to be about not getting to, you know, call a shot and, oh, and, sure. and leaving uh, with the uh, I'm going to Disney World speech uh, and then yeah. dropping the mic after that. So Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how this next season finishes. You know, if it if he bombs in the playoffs, something really weird happens and he gets blown out or something. What does that do if he if he leaves with a ring? I mean, if he wins a ring, there's probably no doubt in my mind he would he would wrap it up. But when you're competing at the level that he's competing at, how do you how do you give it up? One podcaster I listened to said, you know what? It's probably a case of, you know, for six weeks, the first time in 20 years, at least probably or more, he's just been away from football, you know, doing the family thing. And probably realizing for the first time that I still have that desire there. And maybe that just six weeks and that idea that it's completely done when he's still in the shape that he's in and, and putting up the numbers he's putting up. I mean, it's all said and done. I don't care what reason. Uh, I am glad that he's coming back for some more. But I was shocked that he retired. I would have almost put money on it that he would go another two or three years. You know, aim for that 50 mark. And uh, one of our Facebook users says, what's up, boys? You got to click something so that we can see who your name is. I forget what it is. Yeah. I, I'm you know, I've never, I'm not, I've never even been close to being a professional athlete, but I know that when I get invited to play in a, um, uh, a flag football tournament, um, I, I, try to get in some sort of shape so I don't blow out both hamstrings at the same time. <laughs> right. So I've, I think I've seen him say that if, if, if it ever gets to a point where I don't feel like, or I, I, I don't want to put the preparation in, then I'll hang it up. So I think you're right. I think at some point he said, yeah, I'm going back to the gym. I still got, I still have that, that competitive fire. So yeah. But, and the idea, the idea that his wife has a career, she's busy, his kids are getting older, they're going to have things to do. And, you know, they're not super, super young where they need dad 24 seven. So it might be a case of, you know, I thought maybe, you know, I'd have some more free time with them. And if they're doing their things and he's kind of sitting there, that's just not in his DNA when, right. he's, able, when he's able to play football at the level he can play it. 
Well, um, I know I know we could talk about Brady all all podcast long, but let's move this along. You know, I'm fine. sure we're going to be talking about Brady um, even probably even more than Barry Bonds in this podcast. <laughs> so, um, so the next one I want to talk about real quick is so I don't have the news story pulled up, but apparently Deshaun Watson um, did not get. Um, uh, was found not guilty or I don't know if the language was that strong that he was not guilty, yeah. but they just couldn't, I guess they couldn't find enough evidence or something to where um, it seems like he's dodged at least this initial yeah. legal bullet. Now um, there is, there is talks that because of uh, him um, being in the situation, the NFL is going to uh, come down on him with some suspension time. But now the world is buzzing on where yeah. Deshaun Watson's going. If you had to uh, give a hot take on where he's going, where do you think he's going? Well, you know, a week ago, there were a lot of teams that were in the mix. But now Washington's out and probably Pittsburgh's out. Um, you know, the Broncos are out. The Packers locked up. I mean, so Carolina, you know, you keep hearing that. Uh, I heard I heard something today that maybe the Panthers would pursue him and st with the mindset still of keeping McCaffrey, um, if that was possible. So, um, yeah, that would be great for this area. I'm not a Panther fan, but being from this area, uh, I'd be definitely down for that. Um, on the investment side of it, I think for a long time he's just been. I know a couple guys, uh, friends that have been picking up Watts and stuff, dirt cheap. Cause he's such a good quarterback, like right. personal stuff aside that last year he had in uh, with Houston, it was unbelievable to the point where JJ Watt after the last game, as they were walking to the locker room, came up to him and said, you know, apologize for wasting such a great year that Deshaun had that they didn't do anything with it. So right. I think they caught that on camera, on camera microphone, JJ apologizing. Like you had such an amazing year. So the dude's I, I a stud. The dude is a stud. Yeah, I think I think he'd look good in a Panther uniform, you know. Just um, uh, and he's he, you know, he played at Clemson, uh, so he he'd be a local kid, just about. So, you know, we'll see. It might be a good um, fit. So if he comes here, we're going to see a bump. Well, McCaffrey gets a bump anyway. He gets a bump until he gets injured four weeks in, and then, um, and then it. Hopefully that's not the case, but that seems to be the yeah. pattern with him. Uh, Russell perhaps, Wilson. Was, perhaps Wilson, or, uh, Watson being the new shiny toy to play with. Maybe McCaffrey's load is a little less and they yeah. figure out a way to ease it a little bit. Uh, the next guy that was on the move was my guy, Russell Wilson, over oh. to the Broncos. Apparently everything that I'm hearing is this is probably um, the best um, the best scenario for him that uh, – Denver is was a quarterback away from from being a contender. It's just my concern uh, for him is if he wants that second bowl Super Bowl ring, he's got to get through Mahomes. He's got to get through Burrow. He's got to get through Herbert. Herbert. He's got to get through nice. um, uh, a whole slew of good quarterbacks. Josh Allen. I mean. Yeah. Lamar so Jackson. other than that, um, I guess we're looking at I'm looking at plays that you could possibly make based on Russell Wilson going to the Broncos and 
And the only one that comes to my mind is uh, Jerry Judy, um, the wide receiver there. What, what are your thoughts on Russell and his effect on the hobby going there, other than the spike yeah. we're seeing in his cards? Yeah, so uh, if you're a Russell Wilson fan, stay tuned for the card from the vault. There's a little teaser. Um, but, yeah, obviously the focus is going to be on his cards. But, yeah, probably Jerry Judy, Javante Williams stuff, the the rookie running back, so our second year now. But um, all of a sudden, those, those two guys maybe, you know, because you're on a winning team, you start to win, and you're a part of that, you get a little spotlight shined on you. But it's always – all about the quarterback. So you got to be careful there not to start buying up one of one Jerry Judy and Javante Williams stuff at a high price, but uh, right. Yeah, Russell right. Wilson cards, but you gotta be, you gotta be a little careful. I heard an argument too about, you know, was it that big of an upgrade from Seattle to Denver? You know, Seattle has some good pieces to start comparing like the wide receivers DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. I mean, those guys aren't slouches. So let's be careful that, uh, you know, that Russell Wilson is the end all say all, but uh, <laughs> I think it's good. Maybe some of it's mental too. his heart's going to, you know, his attitude, he's going to be all fired up to, to make it work. I, right. I hope it does, but think about maybe Brady, does that factor into Russell leaving the NFC? I mean, really, you got to get through Stafford and Aaron Rodgers. That's it in the yeah. NFC, you know, and Dak and the cow with some of the others just haven't proved that they're, they're the ones to reckon with. So Brady probably looks at it and says, Oh boy, the NFC just got that much easier to get to the right. Super Bowl." So that's a great point. That's not that Russell point. was in his way really, but he, he's always a potential threat. Right. So. Um, Carson Wentz. Now I just have never been a fan simply out of ignorance but you pointed out to me when I mentioned it to you that uh, the kid is talented, both physically, physically talented, uh, and it's he's not a bad quarterback when he's healthy. So he's going over to uh, Washington, the Washington Command Commanders. I almost said the Commandos, uh, the Command <laughs> Commanders. Uh, and so the play there, the ancillary play there, would be Antonio Gibson. What, any thoughts on Carson Wentz going to Washington? Yeah, I kind of need to, I need to see it work, you know, uh, you know, the, the take is that, you know, the Colts were kind of just maybe overreacted, you know, he had a not terrible season, but you know, one, one mediocre season and they blew that game at the end to miss the playoffs. And they, the, the idea is maybe the Colts got a little, just a little scorned at that and just wanted to move off of him. But I don't know if maybe the Colts did that a little prematurely because mm. who's going to be their quarterback? Jacob and, uh, Eason. Yeah, I, I hope that works out. We'll all be rich because we all pulled <laughs> Jacob Eason cards all year. But absolutely, I, I, heck, I don't even think any of the things that I have a Jacob Jacob, uh, Jacob Eason are in penny sleeves. I, I have no, no you I have it. no clue. You'll have to dig back through your bulk stuff, but yeah, did, so. did the Colts? I mean, did, I think the the commanders may have have hit a uh, maybe a mini home run with this but we'll see i think so i think so and then uh right in the pregame you mentioned that um trubisky uh mm-hmm. is more than likely going to pittsburgh now i don't know anything about mitch trubisky i knew he had maybe half a half a good year and then they were high on him 
And then he just sort of, I guess he just wanted out of Chicago. And I don't even know where he is right now. He was in, in Buffalo. He was a, a second or third string in Buffalo. I think he was second string behind Josh Allen. But right. Um, yeah. The, the, again, the take there is that, you know, Chicago kind of used some smoke and mirrors and he looked a little better than he was. And he was kind of just a game manager that mm. didn't make a lot of mistakes and um, just his ceiling wasn't very high. But again, Sometimes it takes the right mix, the right environment, the right coach. I like to see these guys move so we can like in the card industry, especially like, all right, do we got to, you got to give up on Trubisky if it doesn't go anywhere here. And you got to probably give up on Carson if it doesn't go anywhere here. Um, we we want to see those things because we've all kind of got a few of those cards tucked away maybe. And, um, and at some point you got to pull them out of the vault and sell them. Right. They're just they're right. just not going to be those bangers that we thought maybe they would be originally. So. All right, so hot take here. Um, other than Tom Brady, who you're going to say is going to win 17 games next year, uh, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Carson Wentz, Trubisky, who has the most wins next year? Hmm. I mean, the easy answer is Russell, but I don't want to go with the easy answer. I'm going to go Carson Wentz. I figured you'd say I, that. I think that team is that. strong yep. all the way around. That's a hot take. So, yeah. I mean, well, I get if to be Russell biased. Wilson. I, so go ahead. I get to be biased now. I think it's going to be Russell. I think, I, I think out of those quarterbacks, he's going to have the most wins. And um, if they Does get this some, hurt his legacy more if he go? It's kind of been this. Brady went to the Bucks and year one won a Super Bowl, and Matt Stafford goes to the Rams and year one wins a Super Bowl. Now Russell goes to the Broncos that are supposedly a quarterback away, like those other teams. He's got to do something. You don't have to win a Super Bowl, but you got to flirt with it, probably. I mean, I think the pressure is yeah, on. Gonna, yeah, he's going to have to make a playoff run. And if there's a home field advantage to be had, yeah. whenever you're inviting a team, to be a mile, a literally a mile high, and they've <laughs> got to get used to that altitude. That is the ultimate, ultimate home field advantage. So I, I, I say it's Russell, but that's yep. because I'm a Russell, I, I PC Russell. So go Russell. You'll like the card from the vault too. <laughs> All right. So new in the shop. What do we got new in the shop here this week? Uh, so this past week you know we had talked about playbook football coming in so that came in today had a big card pulled out of it in the shop today so if you're following our facebook page you saw me post a picture of that it was a mac jones like five relic auto number to 49 booklet that got pulled today so that was gorgeous uh, maybe we can throw a picture up yeah, here i'll find it here Okay, so yeah, that that was out of playbook. That was new this past week. Um, Heritage Baseball was new this past week. We are sold out of it and expecting more if all goes well tomorrow. Um, and then on the horizon, limited football comes out Wednesday. Today is Monday. Wednesday, limited football will be in the shop. And that's a, a fun product. There's a picture of the Mac Jones. So that card was pulled in the shop today. So that's kind of one of the cards you're chasing. And that product, I think, you get four cards in every box, and you get a booklet in every box, and that's—I've seen some worse booklets. So, yeah, uh, congrats to that customer that hit it. Thank man, you for they the just, they, 
they it looks like they tore up about three uniforms to make that uh to make that card so yeah that's what's that's the um what's the deal with uh limited football what what's that talk to me about that product i'm, I'm not a big yep. football guy so so um, it's a it, nice card stock and they're they're nice thick cards you get um three packs per box and each pack has five cards so each box you're getting 15 total cards you're getting two autographs and one memorabilia card. Um, your autos, you'll get one auto of some kind, but then you're guaranteed one um, rookie patch auto or a ring of honors auto, which would be like a veteran. Um, so two autos there. They're doing, um, they call it a 2000 limited tribute. So you get one of those per box and then they do a limited tribute limited edition card those are case hits there's one per case so wow. 15 cards a box couple autos the cards are good looking they're nice thick card stock so i'm sure we'll have some um, customer hits on the facebook page but that okay. comes in wednesday you would you and would we'll, say that that's we'll sort of in. sort of that mid it's not like a flagship base product like a don russ football but it, right. it certainly it's not prism so it's sort of right in between, or is it above Prism? Yeah. It seems like there's not a lot of cards in this box. Yeah, there's not. It's one of those. It's one of those specialty sets like Prism and Mosaic and those guys. They and Select. There's a whole set to that. These are, you know, you're buying it for the hits and the numbered stuff. You're not putting a set of this together like you would some of the others. But so this would be like a non-base set. But it's it's like Playbook, you know. Playbook, you're getting four cards a box, and you're just chasing the hits. And so limited is kind of the same way. You're just chasing the hits. Um, it's between four and five hundred bucks a box, kind of like everything that's not Prism or some of those others. Is so nowadays. this would actually be above Prism? Oh no, no In a sense. No, if you want someone's rookie auto, you still want it out of Prism. Okay. Over over limited, but but you yeah. still you you'll see some monster hits come out of this thing. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. If you're lucky. <laughs> All right. So um, in the pre-show, we were talking about um, giving an inside look, and you mentioned that you get this question questions a lot. Is and it's because you make it look so easy, Josh. This is probably why you get this question. But it's no, how I get this question. I, how do I open a card shop or how do I make a full-time living selling cards? Yes. So I don't make this look easy. The hobby makes this look easy. So that's <laughs> one thing. So again, when we bought the store in 2017, it was kind of like, let's just see what happens. You know, we, uh, we had very little experience and we're going to do an episode probably in two episodes where we'll talk about the whole, the history of grand slam and rock Hill and then our history um, with the store. But uh, so we, we came along, let's not lie at a, a, you know, it took us two years to get there, but so we, we did what we could and kept the store rolling as best we could for a couple of years before COVID and the little timing of the, the boom in the industry. So that was a, a fortunate accident um but we were growing before then we took the shop over and our goal was to grow it so we were growing before that that time and of course the growing took off exponentially um in 2020 so 
since that time, I have a lot of customers that will come in and they say, Hey, I'm visiting from out of town or we don't make it this way very often. I live a couple hours away or I live in another state. I've had many people that do this. Yeah, we're in town visiting. There's just no card shops near me. I've been thinking about opening up a card shop. What's your advice? So um, while because I haven't been doing this for 20 years, I wouldn't be the greatest piece of advice like some that have been doing it that long. But I can say that um, it's it's not easy. And there's a couple reasons why there. If you've not been doing this for a long time and have not built up allocations from a distributor or um, buying directly from Panini or Tops and have been doing that for a long time, you're going to get razor thin margins on this product. And when boxes cost four, five, and six, and eight hundred dollars a box, you're buying them for right under that. So you need a credit card with a very large limit. And they often don't just hand out credit cards. I've learned. We learned that the hard way, like no matter what your credit score or your assets are, they're not just going to give you a credit card with a $50,000 limit. So you got to start small and build it. Um, So getting allocations is going to be tough. Usually when someone says, you got any advice for me? You know, I'm thinking of opening a card shop back home where I'm from. I said, good luck, because you're not going to get any product. You're not going to get any allocations. Your margins are razor thin. And if you want to survive on all the single cards you've accumulated, you know, you can do that, but the, uh, the focus and attention is always on the sealed product while right. you can do. Hey, really Josh, good- real quick, let me jump in here. We, yep. I know that you've said it before, but can you shed a little bit of light on, on what allocation is for, yeah, and, for, for and, you and why, and why being in the business for 20 years, um, it's a different ball game for somebody when it comes to allocation. Can you just demystify yeah. that just a bit? Sure. And don't ever interrupt me again. Um, but, uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, so allocation is what a distributor would allocate you, um, at a, at a really good price. So distributors will get the product from like, let's say Panini directly, and they'll get some at a, at a really low price. I kind of call it like the, where the, where the product really should be priced at. So you're going to get some allocated product at a really low price, lets you have good margins on it. And then the distributor can get more product at a higher price. And of course, anytime they're past, I'm buying from my distributor, they're the middleman between me and Panini, for instance, or me and Top. So they get allocated product. They can then allocate it out to us. And it's kind of like product that you, I know ahead of time, I'm getting one case of limited football allocated to me. So I can often buy um, rebuy product, which is just at a higher price. If I want to have more of that product, um, if it's even available. So you build those allocations based on your tenure with that distributor Mm. and based upon like with our distributor, it's also based upon how much fill in product you buy throughout the year. But you are a little bit at the mercy of if your distributor is not getting more product and they've taken on more customers than their, their pool of product to spread out to you, it gets thinner as well. So, so it may um, not even, it may not even matter if I had a, 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 a American express black card, which doesn't have a limit on it and I'm brand new. Yeah, I'm still not getting allocation though if I'm brand new to the business because I gotta earn that. I gotta gotta earn earn my place at the table, right? Yep. And I'll tell you, uh, as I've learned now four years later, 
Had we known then what we know now, I would have gone and gotten directly to Tops or Panini as long ago as I could have to start building some direct from Panini allocations. But the tough thing about four or five years ago when business was not as busy, A, we got all the allocations we needed from our distributor. So there was never this need to say, man, I really need to go straight to Panini so I can get more of this product. We always got pretty good allocations and got pretty good amount from our distributor. Then as four years later, we need all we can get. Mm. Even sometimes, even at the non-allocated price, at the at the higher price, we still can't get enough because the demand is there. So had we foreseen this demand, we would have probably worked at going directly from Tops or Panini, but you can't, you don't have a crystal ball. So nope. we literally said, let's try to grow this store, do what we can to keep the store in business and I, I figured I would do this for a few years and then I'd move on and go do a different job. But as business has been good and the store has grown and the hobby has come more alive, um, we'll just keep on trucking. So, so is that why you see uh, really, really successful breakers um, start opening up shops because they've been able to develop this relationship of getting that volume? Yeah. And, you know, breakers will will never, even if Fanatics changes the game with distributors, breakers will never really suffer greatly because in my opinion, breakers build their own margins. So mm-hmm. let's use a, a just an example. Let's say um, I can buy a box for $80 that sells for $100. Um, a breaker can come buy that box from me for $100 and turn around and break it for $150. And they can divide it by 32 teams or divide it however they want to break it up. And it ends up being $14 a team and no one really cares because it's a good price and it's 14 bucks. Who cares? So you can kind of build your own margins in with breaking. So that's the beauty of it. Um, it's, it's always a lot more work than people think because you got the right. sorting and the shipping and the posting and the comments and the tracking down the payments and issuing refunds and, you know, all that stuff. But um breakers have that ability to kind of build in their own margin. So, A, if you're getting allocated product and then break it, you're really cleaning house. Um, but most of the time, that was probably the biggest shock when we took the store over, that the margins were n- were not good in this industry, unless you what, get straight from Panini allocated product. What's the um, sort of the baseline number of sellable singles you would need to to um to keep a shop going not like not like bulk i'm talking that five to twenty the five to twenty that you like to play in what's that like the number of cards you would need uh for a working inventory to have a shop yeah i think there's some variables because you know if you're in a nice area with a lot of square footage you're gonna need a ton more you know Mm -hmm. We, we've stayed in the spot we've been at through two leases now because we're like, this is a good rent rate that we have. And it kind of doesn't matter where we are. Card shops are a destination location. You're punching it in the GPS and you're driving there. You know, we don't rely on people that just, oh, a card shop. Let's go in here and see if I can drop two grand on two boxes. You know, <laughs> that doesn't happen with people. So we're, at, we're like a salon where you punch it in. It doesn't matter where it's at. You know, you're just going to drive there. So we've, that's why we've stayed in the area that we're at is because the rent's pretty good and our overhead's not as high. So we can get by 
with charging just a little bit less. And um, so you would need a lot. You would need a lot. Now, of course, the bigger the lots you buy and the bigger the margins you get built in because you're buying in bulk, then it gives you better margins there. But uh, as many singles as we sell, we survive on wax. And that's just, it's just the more popular thing to sell and buy. So if you're opening a card shop, it's, it, it's going to be tough. Um, depend, depends on your competition, you know, and we've had two or three, at least new ones in the past, probably year and a half open up in the area because people are seeing that this industry is thriving and they want to take advantage of it, which is good. Um, but said it before, if you had a card shop before 2020, you weren't in this for the money. You're in it cause you love it. And you know, I'll tell you, our story will come in a future episode here very soon of how we got into this, but it's a, it's an interesting, uh, interesting story. And we'll have, you know, some info from the original owner of Grand Slam on that episode as well, too. So pretty cool. All right. So the next um, segment is uh, my favorite because I always show a card and then Josh is uh, tops the card that I show. <laughs> My, I love it. Um, and I'm so showing my, your PC today. So that's hurt. That hurts even more. All right. So I'm going to start. So Josh can top me, but this I'm, is our I, card I, from the vault for our cards, listeners. cards from the, from the vault. So I, I do, I do, um, gosh, PC Russell. So that is Russell's platinum tops, platinum. Nice. Rookie card. It's a beautiful card. It's, it's it's not worth a lot of money, but um, what's the value? Give us a rough value of it. Do you know? You roughly? know, it's probably seen a bump at uh, SGC nine point five. Um, it's couple hundred, probably in that hundred and fifty range, hundred fifty, hundred sixty. That's not even though it's a real pretty and shiny card. It's it's always going to be that tops chrome. Um, yeah, rookie uh, out of twenty twelve. Or prism. Be the, or prism. Or Prism. There's a couple. That was, that was the first year Prism. Yep, first year Prism. I, the Topps Chrome one is, I think, a prettier card. I think that's why it brings. It may even bring more value than the Prism. So, well, I like the Topps Prism one. There you go. So let me this see is, that one. This is a PSA ten. This is the. There is a couple different variations to this one. This is the towel down variation, mm -hmm. which isn't as rare as the towel up, um, but. I personally sent this, I bought this in a collection that had a complete 2012 Prism set. I said, uh, ooh, Russell's in that. So yeah. pulled it out, looked at it, drooled over how good a shape it was, and sent it to sent it to PSA through Palmetto Cards. We'll talk more about them soon. Um, and I just got it back. I don't know. It's It was almost a year. So I sent this long before any trade talks, but um, got it back just like, a month ago finally that's so. good that's good timing what are you gonna do with it you're gonna hang on till preseason or what are you gonna do uh it's gonna stay in the vault and oh we're gonna hope he he wins another ring or two. Oh, staying in the vault russell wilson <laughs> and tom brady stay, talking in stay, the vault stay 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 in the vault, <laughs> stay in the vault. <laughs> all right next segment now that i've been topped once again just barely although if you want to Potential value. I looked this up recently. This sells between like six and eight hundred bucks. Yeah. I think Thanks. six is probably six is probably closer. But. <laughs> All right. 
Uh, we had uh, a request for a question at the last, the most recent break of Tops Heritage. And um, do you remember who asked the question? What was, was the it question? Mike? It Refresh. was uh, to go over uh, oh. grading and grading companies. I think it was yep, our it was uh, breaking buddy, Michael, uh, asked that. So yep. uh, I'm just going to set the table for you, and then we're going to yep. open up the discussion. So uh, for, for those of you guys that are listening to this or watching this, uh, there are all – there's probably – I don't know if I had to put a number on it. There's probably 10 grading companies out there uh, that, that take, notable. Yeah. take cards, but there's really only four. There's four big ones. So the, the evil empire, the 800 pound gorilla in the room is going to be PSA. Um, and then, uh, and this is a recent, a recent thing. I think the clear second now is SGC. Uh, there's probably going to be some argument with that, but I think if you look over the last six months, SGC has, has put in the work. They, I think they've earned that second spot. Um, and then there's BGS. And the only reason why I think BGS would be still number two is because you've got golden auctions and PWCC auctions selling enormous like grail cards that are, that are in a BGS slab. Yeah, and, I and think BGS, BGS for those that don't know would be Beckett. Would be Beckett. Yeah, and then the last one of the four, um, and and it's a distance, it's a distant fourth, but they've got some things brewing. Is CSG? Mm, um, ah, ah, not HGA. No, it's. I, I don't think it's HGA. I I think mm. the clear fourth is CSG. And for you, for those of you guys who have never held a CSG holder, I would suggest doing it because, in my opinion, it's the best looking slab out there. It's just got the worst looking label. So if they just get a graphic designer in there, zhuzh up the label, I think they can make some noise. But Josh, let's talk about PSA. You said you had something pulled up on service levels. What, what's what's going on with PSA and as of this recording on March 14th, 2022, what sort of service levels do PSA, uh, does PSA have? And then we'll talk about their, their spot in the market. So there's four. And if you submit through someone like Palmetto Cards, who we often work with, um, you would go five because I think you can get an economy rate through them, which you can't get if you or I were to go to PSA's website. Um, your regular rate which is a hundred dollars per card is the cheapest option unless you go through a larger submission company like palmetto then you can get the fifty dollar rate um they have express at 150 a card super express at 300 a card and then rehold a reholder service I, I wouldn't really count that but it is 25 bucks a card but all right so let's pause there yep. what is the minimum raw value for you that you would send to PSA. And I've just did this the other day. I just sent some cards off. Um, it's tough because sometimes you got to think down the road potential too a little bit, but um, I look at it as if I get a nine or a 10, will I, 
increase when I make money on that. So right. if you get an eight at 50 bucks a card or an, even in a nine at 50 bucks a card, it's got to be a pretty big card. So yeah. you're really shooting for tens if it's not just a humongous card. Um, so I don't, do you have a dollar? I don't have a dollar amount. I kind of play it by a card by card basis, but, um, yeah. So for me, uh, just like you said, you do, do the quick calculus. So if it's a, if let's just say it's a hundred dollar card, a uh, raw. And for the purposes of this discussion, uh, I would say that an eight, a PSA eight is about the same as a raw card. Yeah, that's always right? kind of been the yep. So if I got a hundred dollar raw card and I know it's gonna be above an eight and I pay the fifty bucks, all things being equal, you're still gonna make money as long as you make over an eight. Um so I think for me, once it bumps up against that hundred dollar level, and I Josh, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have a lot of hundred dollar raw cards. Um, yeah. I just, I just don't, I have a, a handful. So, yeah. um, you know, for me, it's about a hundred bucks. Um, or if it's just a card that you just have to have in a PSA slab, yeah. um, then you send it off. But, and that's kind of that? why, that's kind of why I sent a few, those cards I showed during your heritage break, those were sent to SGC. Cause for 20 something dollars, I can get them slabbed in a holder that I like just cause I like what the cards look like. That wasn't right. about a value there. So, right. And, um, do they have, um, any sort of, uh, they're probably never going to give a, like the 45 day, um, terms that they had. Do they have timelines on some of these levels? So just the rumor that I've heard is that it, so the, the $50 is your cheapest route. It could get down to $25 a card um, sometime in 2022. But I, I don't know. It, I kind of like, I'm in the minority here. I kind of like the $50 minimum. You know, At some point, they're going to get caught up because the idea for the higher prices is to slow down the, the cards coming in so they can get caught up. And then when they get caught up, you know, they're going to probably do something to get that traffic rolling back again. I just... I would rather have less graded cards and faster turnaround times and keep people from grading really should be for those cards that are worthy of being graded. And at 50 bucks a card, open that to the general public. I think it'll give plenty of people options for grading, but it'll slow the traffic down a little bit and keep those turnaround times decent. But the problem was when it was eight bucks a card and people were just sending their collections because all you needed was, you know, half of them to pop tens and then it would pay for itself. And yeah, that, I think that ship has sailed. I don't know if yeah. we'll ever see that again. I like the idea too. If you think about this of uh, when you're buying cards, you can factor that or selling cards. You can say, look, I'm asking 200 for this, but you can't buy a raw one at the prices it costs to get graded and get it graded now. So there's a benefit to buying an already graded card because someone already a paid the fee for you to get it graded or it was graded when before the fees were super high. So I do. Well, like and that. that's the, that was the purpose of grading to begin with is so that, you know, what you're, you, you, you don't have to trust a photo on eBay. Yeah. That you already know, you already know it, what the condition of it was. So, and I've got, so, you know, for 
those that are watching. So, you know, I showed off the PSA grade. So I did grab an example. We can talk about the holders too. This is a Beckett, um, you know, and with Beckett, when we get there, you're going to get, you're going to get subgrades if you pay for that option. I think Beck, this is my personal opinion. I think Beckett has the best looking holders cases. They're thicker, they're bigger. Um, and SGC, SGC, I'm a fan of as well. That was the, uh, there's the, the black, um, black bordered. Again, none of these companies do a good job with their labels. It's like, has every company decided to just like make the most boring, blandest graded <laughs> labels in the history? Um, Labs. All right. So there's, that's PSA. Yep. Um, SGC. They're sort of the new kid on the block. They seem like the new kid on the block, but they've been around for a long time and they've got yep. a big foothold in vintage. Yep. Uh, that you, they used to be, that used to be the play with vintage. Uh, I believe they've got four levels of, um, of service for SGC uh, with the and lowest being 25, 24, 25, and then all the way up to 50. 50 is like a five day turnaround or maybe a one, a two day turnaround, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're slabs. Like if you notice, this is, it's noticeably larger than a mm -hmm. PSA slab. Like that's probably like what you were saying with that other company, just hold it in your hand. They're known for having big, sturdy, strong, good looking holders. Again, their labels leave a lot to be desired, but that's SGC. So that's SGC. Yeah. And typically from what I've seen is an SGC 10 will hold uh, will sell at about 65 to 70% of the value of a PSA 10. It's um, not super easy to get an SGC 10. So I think that that helps. It helps. Sure. And I think it's, it's creeping up. I think the market, the more SGC holders you see out there, I think the closer it will get. I don't think it'll ever beat PSA. Mm -hmm. I say that. Um, because it's just, it's insurmountable that the, the gap there on how many cards PSA does, but yeah. Um, and then the, the third one we want to talk about, and I'm going to put up a graphic that you sent me, um, with regards to the values and let me just share this. Yeah. Here's just an example of how a PSA card and a Beckett card. So PSA 10, uh, versus a Beckett nine, five. You can and, see and for you guys that are on just listening to this, where this is the 2011 Bowman Chrome Orange Refractor Mike Trout, which is a really cool card. Yeah, but go ahead, Josh. That's a big one. Yeah. So um, the PSA 10 at auction brought 7,200, just a little over 7,200 bucks, where the Beckett 95, which is kind of the equivalent to a PSA 10. Um, brought 2,800. So that's a huge difference. I don't like comparing just one auction to one auction because there's a lot of things that can go into that, but um, that's pretty typical. A PSA 10 and a Beckett 9.5 are kind of comparable in condition, and there's just a big difference in selling. Now, Beckett does half, half grades, um, so that 9.5 is kind of why it's looked at as the PSA 10, um, but Beckett does give out 10s, but it ain't easy. And uh, I would be interested in seeing a PSA 10 exact card versus a Beckett 10 exact oh, card. Oh, I, I, 
I don't think it's even close. The Beckett would win, right? The, yeah, the Beckett, it, it, the Beckett, uh, pristine. Yeah, the t- um, black label. Well, the black label is different because you can get a tin. For instance, you'll get a Beckett tin, and it'll have subgrades of ten, 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 nine, five. For oh, instance. that's right. And so a black label would be all four subgrades, corners, edges, surface, and centering, all four tins, which gives it this, they put Christine. it in a special black label. Yeah. yeah. And black label cards are just ungodly higher than everything right. else because um, they don't give them out at all, hardly. But you can get a Beckett 10, and I think it outsells a PSA 10 because it is that much harder to get. Um, if not, it sells really close. Um, you're just going to get a PSA 10 so much easier than you'll get a Beckett 10. Now, just to rewind this a bit, just in the discussion we're having with this. So SGC uh, at a $25 level, that brings a lot of cards into play. Yeah. That, that brings a $15, a 15, for me, a $15 raw card into play. If you get it graded, if it's super clean, um, because then if you're only in it for 15 plus the 20, let's call it $30 to ship it back and forth. So if you're in it for 15, um, the grading fees and the shipping, now you're at 45 and it pops at 10. You could sell that card for a hundred, mm-hmm. uh, depending on the player and the timing. Yep. So I think, I think, that $25 level brings a, a, a much lower, um, a, a lower car, raw card value into play. And they're, they're turning around these, they're from door to door. They're turning around these submissions, even in the bulk, these, this, their lowest level, uh, sometimes in, in four or five weeks. Yeah. So you could really, really time things. Yeah. Um, and, so. and there's like, I use SGC because here's two cards that I just really like the looks of, but they're just not very valuable, but I wanted them kind of in nice display holders. I think the black lets the cards pop. I'm a fan of SGC for sure. They do tend to be a a bigger player in the vintage market where, you know, modern stuff Beckett seems to be really desirable for modern stuff. And then PSA is kind of anything and everything. And as I was thinking, you're kind of locked into this label, you don't dare change a label, you know, this many years into doing it. So in defense of these labels, it's kind of the label they started. They kind of got to stick with it now. So I'll defend them a little bit there, but. um, Well, speaking of uh, labels. um, Yeah. Here I have a a low end Kobe. Let me see if I could do this. So this is a Kobe Bryant. Uh, 2007, 2000. I love this photo. Um, oh, that's a great card. Yep. But it's, it's, if you look at this and, um, and this doesn't have the subgrades, but CSG has subgrades if you, if you pay for them. Mm-hmm. But if you ever hold a CSG holder next to, uh, hold it up the Russell. So that's the comparison. Of the size so it's 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 a little more psa size a little more psa sized but i mean the clarity whoever they're sourcing their plastic from it is crystal crystal clear i mean if you put a psa label on this 
it'd be the best looking slab in the on the market. But and, the and interesting thing, the interesting thing with CSG is that's who eBay is using for their authentication services. Aren't they big in the comic grading? They industry? they start they cut their teeth in comics and they're yeah. heavy in the comics. Yeah, so, that'll help them. That'll help them reputation wise. Yes, and I think they've I think they're in play with fanatics. So um, since we're talking labels, let me give a little plug here to something new. This is a product called Vanity Slabs. <clears throat> what Vanity Slabs is, there you go. Um, I'm going to give you an example here. This is uh, its own company. And what you do is you can purchase these graded slabs. And what you do is you go online and you scan the barcode. You go online and design your own label. And then you pay, it's $2.99 to design a label. They put the uh, label to print and they email you a PDF of your label that you can then professionally have cut out. Or I did it myself. I just cut it out myself really carefully. So I say that, say you can take the slab and it comes apart. And then you literally just replace their label with your own, put whatever card you want in there, slap it back in, and you've got your own. So I did this, and I, here's an example. Um, I took a 2020 Donruss Optic Joe Burrow rated rookie, the green velocity. And so as you can see, just for kicks, I did the Bengals background. Um, I did it with white lettering so that uh, you could see the card. You can put whatever text you want here. You can describe the card or whatever. And then if you want, you can put your own logo or any other logo right here. So it's hard to see uh, with focus, but I put the Grand Slam card logo and there it is. So the idea would be, hey, I just want to protect one of my favorite cards in a slab and uh, design my own label. Is it going to increase the value? Maybe a few bucks, but probably, you know, if you did the, the label well enough, and it really, really looked unique and sharp. You could probably ask what these cost at $15 a slab is what you can buy these empty slabs for. We have them down at the shop. It's not something that I'm doing to make money. I bought a big stack to have at the shop. So if anyone wants to play with one, come down and uh, 15 bucks, you can buy the slab and it's got the barcode and everything. You can make your own label. Um, you can also buy these. They're a few bucks as well. These are made for graded cards to sit in and then they fold up and you put a little tape there and you can ship this with protection because it's like a booklet. So this is made for shipping your graded card safely and securely. Um, but yeah, that's the, uh, I did a few of them. And so I thought it was fun to play with. You design your own label, but um there's also another thing they do. They have these little cases and I have these for sale down at the shop. They're like a hundred bucks. You get the case and you get five of these vanity slabs and five of them fit in here perfectly. And it's a little padded case that vanity slabs makes. Um, but one of our local customers turned me on to this product. So I was like, Ooh, that sounds really fun. And I went on there, bought some stuff and designed some stuff and bought enough to have a little stack at the store if anyone wants to come in and try it. But since we were talking about labels and label design, if you don't like the labels, design your own. 
There you go. And there's there's a free plug for vanity slabs. Yeah. And also, just <laughs> I wanted to show this as well. It just happens to be a Russell Wilson uh, die-cut refractor rookie. But the only reason I'm showing it is not because of Russell, but it's BCCG, which I had to do a little learning myself. So this is Beckett. So wouldn't you say, why does Beckett have a Beckett slab? And then BCCG is also Beckett. Well, BCCG is... Um, a little subdivision of Beckett that was made for grading large amounts of cards, um, kind of like grading in bulk for companies. So when you see a uh, product in Walmarts or Targets, these mystery boxes, and they'll have a graded card in there, often you'll see it's BCCG graded card. So resale value, not good because they know they crank these out super fast and in bulk. But if you see BCCG and you see Beckett and you wonder, how is that different than this? I had to kind of do a little homework on that to find the difference. So food for thought, if anyone was curious about. If you see BCCG out in the wild, that's usually what it is. I see. Yep. So Paul Paul said that he's got, he's interested in those, uh, those vanity slabs. So <laughs> always a salesman. His, his interest is peaked. It's hey, peaked. That's it's all you fun. need. It's cheap and fun and looks good. All right, so so roll just to wrap this up, the grading conversation up. We want to provide as much value as we can. It's really up to you. It, you know, educate yourself on the value of the card raw, and then if you're in it, to flip it. Uh, and and it there's really no question. If it's a high end card, you got you got to send it to PSA. It's about there, money. There may yeah, be PSA. there may be maybe a case to where if it's a high-end card, but it's one of these thick cards, go with Beckett and then pay for the subgrades because yeah. it could have a perfect surface centered perfectly. The, uh, and then, but, but you could have a corner that that's questionable. And then you could still maybe get a nine five, you know, if you yeah. get a questionable corner at PSA that you're going to get a nine. Uh, yeah. So uh, high-end card PSA, Maybe BGS uh, if it's if if everything but one um, one thing is good. Uh, if you dabble in the hobby like me, that and I don't mess around with high end cards. I hope that something becomes a high end card in the future. Uh, SGC is the way to go for me at at twenty five dollars. Yeah. Now, I if you're saying if you're saying that PSA is gonna come out with a $25 bulk service level and it's going to be less than a year, like let, let's say a six month turnaround, yep. then SGC is in trouble. Yeah. Um, and they look SGC, they, they could say, okay, well played. Uh, our bulk level is now 15. And yep. then, but then you get into that. Oh no, we're going to get overwhelmed again. Yeah. So, and PSA is going to get into that as well, unless they're staffed to handle the $25. Well, at this point they can do uh, 800,000 cards a month. So they probably are like, all right, let's see if they can overwhelm us. And then if they do, then they'll, they'll raise the prices again. So, yeah. All right. Oh boy. Hopefully that helped Michael. If you're listening to this either now or um, uh, on a, on a recording, Hopefully that answered your question, but if not, just 
feel free to to reach out to me or, or Josh and we can clear as mud. It's as clear as mud after all that. <laughs> all right. Last segment. New uh in the shop next week or looking out in the future. I think next week's a little bit light for new releases, but it what is- do we have coming? Uh, into the shop next week, Josh. Yep. So it's not next week, but it's right shortly after that. Uh, it's on the horizon. You've got Contenders Basketball. So that'll be a big one coming up soon. Um, I believe that's the 30th. So just a little over next week. And then Tops Inception Baseball, which if you're familiar with it, is is like Origins. Um, it's like Bowman Inception, which is very similar, but it's not not all prospects. So Tops Inception and Contenders Basketball. Those are two of the big ones on the very, very short horizon. And then some more stuff, bigger stuff coming down the line. We'll talk about that in another episode. But fill-ins on top Series 1 Hobby Wednesday, if all goes well. And Heritage Baseball fill-ins tomorrow for those that like that product and have been waiting for it So since we sold out so fast. Excellent. All right. We're going to wrap things up with Crazy... Stat week. So, Josh, uh, who were the top five home run hitters last year? Ooh. So I'm just going to throw some names out there, um, and I'm going to fail miserably. But uh, was Pete Alonzo up there? No. Golly. I'm going to draw a hardcore blank. So okay. uh, Baez in top five, at least. I think he was always flirting. Otani, of course. Let's not forget Otani. So uh, here's the top Here's the top five, and I'm going to give yeah. their name and how many dingers they hit. Okay. Salvador Perez hit 48. I would not have guessed that. Vladimir Guerrero hit 48. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Otani hit 45. Marcus Simeon <laughs> hit 46. Wow. And then... Uh, El Nino, Fernando Tatis Jr. hit 42. So the is top Bi- five. Where's Baez at? Is he on there? Do you even see his name on there? Baez. No. Maybe that was a year before he was rocking and rolling. Oh, he both. is on here. At yeah. 31, okay, he hit he 31. So, so 48, 48, 46, 45, and 42. Let me show you this photo I found floating around check out <laughs> uh 48 doesn't make the top five in 1998 <laughs> could you imagine could you imagine what mark mcguire's card if 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 we traveled in a time machine and brought these numbers here <laughs> If he hit 70 home runs, what his uh, Bowman Chrome Auto. Yeah. It, it'd be more for. like if you could bring the sports card industry to that era, like what would these cards have done? Oh my gosh. And then yeah. you just look at this. I, I don't even know. Who, this, I hear. Maybe- I saw this on Facebook, so and I was like, "Oh, that's really cool." So I just went to the yeah. I don't even know who Don, Dean Palmer is, but I went to the comment section to hear what people had to say. And the overwhelming comment was, "Yeah, uh, Barry Bonds wanted to keep up with these guys, and so this was his last clean year 
and then and then the numbers exploded and that griffey look at griffey did when he wasn't on the juice he still had 56 and he was uh that was an injury shortened year for him so the rumor was like he might have beat mcguire and sosa and been in that had he not been injured that year because i think he sat out a, a last part of that year so my argument is you don't know that griffey was clean just because he never got caught he right he, he was a little beefy too but if not all props to him if he did that clean that's unbelievable my uh, goodness but these numbers all right yeah. that's my that's my crazy stat is the these numbers and for anybody listening in 1998 the top five home run hitters were Mark McGuire with 70, 70, Sammy Sosa, 66, Ken Griffey Jr. with 56, Greg Vaughn mm-hmm. with 50, and Albert Bell with 49. So wow. the top five, um, I mean, the top home run hitters of this season would not have made the top five of in 1998. All right, what's your, uh, what's your crazy stat of the week? So I don't know a whole lot about hockey, but I saw this and this just kind of blows me away that for our listeners, Wayne Gretzky Gretzky scored the most goals in NHL history. That's no shock. You take away all of his goals. He is still has the most points in NHL history. And that is because you can get points off assists. So that's insane to me. And I know very little. In fact, I read that and I thought, how else do you score in hockey? That's how uneducated <laughs> I was. So you helped me to realize that you get assist points. So take away all of Gretzky's goals, the number one score in the league history, and he still has most points in NHL history. I just saw that and thought it was just nuts. It is, it is better to give, it is better to give than to receive. all right and so the last little bonus thing and then we'll wrap things up is this photo yep is of what josh since so since you're such a fanboy that was the super bowl that everyone thought that russell was going to hand it to marshawn lynch and run it into the end zone and that the seahawks would ride off into the sunset with a super bowl win but instead Pete Carroll made the correct coaching decision. We could argue about this. And Russell threw it from the one-yard line. Malcolm Butler intercepted it, and the Patriots win the Super Bowl. So, if you listened since the beginning, you heard at the beginning of the podcast, I said there was one play in NFL history that changed the course of all NFL history, potentially, and this would be the play. Reason being is that if this play doesn't happen, Russell's pass is either a touchdown or they hand it to Marshawn and he gets a score. Barring that Brady doesn't march down the field really quickly and score, which is still possible, um, Russell Wilson wins the Super Bowl. That means that Russell Wilson at that point would have two Super Bowl wins. Brady would have um, lost his, yeah, he'd have three. He would have lost his third consecutive Super Bowl. And I believe it would have been 10 years without Brady having won a Super Bowl. So then there's this big drought. Uh, potentially, Brady starts looking like, look, Russell Wilson is up and coming. He's already got two Super Bowls. I can't seem to get past them. Peyton Manning with the Broncos, I just can't get past them. Uh, Brady then maybe doesn't last as long in New England. Um and 
they say this play and this Super Bowl loss kind of created a rift in the Seahawks organization, and that team has never been the same since. Nope. So the theory is that the Seahawks would kind of continue to build off that momentum. Um, Brady and the Patriots are degressing backwards, and um, and it is feasible that over the course of time to this point, Russell Wilson would have three Super Bowls because all he would need to win is one more in the course of a few years. Um, and Brady would only have three Super Bowls. No, Brady would have, yeah, they would each have three Super Bowls. Um, yep. And that could have been maybe where it would stand as Brady might try a different team and not, you know, not be in that dynasty talk. Um, uh, and, but instead, Russell Wilson has one and Brady has seven count it seven so we could do an entire episode on that play right there and uh and the plays leading up to it as well as the welker drop and the tyrese helmet catch (laughs) but a lot of people because i've heard we've heard this we didn't make this up but a lot of people believe that that play right there created this big rift seismic rift in the nfl anals um (laughs) That sounded wrong, but you never want <laughs> you never want a rift in your anal's. But no, <laughs> um, that's some food for thought. As big as a, a Brady fan as I am, all these all these goats rely on a little bit of good fortune and the right place at the right time. And um, oh, one more fun stat. Let's end on this stat. I have a question for you. So okay. Jerry Rice is the leading receiver for catches after the age of 40 and he's got like, I don't know, 45 catches and so many yards. And he had a big game when he was 40 something years old with the Seahawks or with the Raiders against the Seahawks. Jerry Rice is number one all time with receptions after the age of 40. Who is number two? And I'll give you a little hint. Two guys are tied number two with the most catches all time after the age of 40. And if you don't know, it'll blow your mind. Those two men are Brett Favre and Tom Brady. <laughs> they both have one catch. They're the only other people besides Jerry Rice to have a reception after the age of 40. Is that not nuts? <laughs> That's crazy. That's so crazy. it goes Jerry Rice with his 40-something catches or whatever it is, and then Brady and Favre are tied with number two. For with I, one catch, and remember, Brady dropped the ball in the Super Bowl. It was a bad pass, but he still could have could have caught it. He'd have had two catches after forty, and it been his been, possession of second place. Well, I, I think when Fanatics takes over um, uh, and brings back uh, Tops triple threads, uh, they need to ha- make a triple thread card of uh, <laughs> of that. So, all right, Josh, yep. um, I, I it's always good talking to you. Uh, yep, thanks, thanks for if you guys have hung around this long. Uh, we appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Um, you know, give us a like, subscribe, give us a review, let us know what we're doing wrong, what we can do better or we're doing great. So got anything else? Any parting shots, Josh? Nope. If anyone's got any questions for some of the uh, future episodes that they want to know behind the scenes stuff at the shop or whatever, just private message me. We'll be happy to tackle them. All right. Have a good night. See you next time. Bye-bye.